This is where the fun begins. What is up, all of you? Ugnots and Jawas out there and welcome back to another episode of Mando Talk and we've got another edition of an Andor episode breakdown and this time we've got episode 8 titled Narkina 5. We're definitely going to dive into it here in a second but of course I've got to take care of my plugs. Subscribe to us on YouTube if you have not done so already for more Star Wars fun, more exclusive content that's outside of just our podcast episodes but if you like just listening to us audio version only we are mando talk a star wars podcast anywhere that you get your podcast apple spotify amazon google you name it just search us you'll find us hit the like hit the follow rate us five stars do whatever do whatever needs to be done on whatever platform you are listening or watching do whatever needs to be done to make us look great and now let's discuss the great episode of Andor Episode 8, again titled Narkina 5. It was overall just a great day. That, that's the theme here already. A great day for a Star Wars fan because Tales of the Jedi came out alongside with this episode and me and DJ have done a breakdown of Tales of the Jedi that's available anywhere that you can listen to us, YouTube, all of our podcasts. So go back and check that out when you get a chance. Not right now. You came here to, to check out an Andor Episode 8 breakdown. So let's do that first and then go and check that out. We we really dive deep. It's a great time. It's always fun when me and DJ can get together and spoiler discuss and just discuss Star Wars in general. So there you have it. There's another plug. And or episode eight. First things first, we go to, or we don't go to, we're back on Niamos where Cassian is being transported to Narkina 5 to serve his prison sentence. Next up, we go to Coruscant, where Cyril is crunching some more numbers. I believe he's doing something with fuel here for this job. And two Imperial officers come to get him, and we find out that Dedra has found a connection to Cyril and wants to fill in gaps on the events in Ferrix by talking to him. Now, Cyril has been using this job, we find out, to file false inquiries on Cassian Andor to try to find his location. So Cyril is very much so still interested in this Cassian Andor guy. He has definitely not forgot about the events on Ferrix. That has definitely been clear regarding his facial expressions, the things that he's been saying, the things that he's been doing the past few episodes, but it's nice to see Cyril get back in the mix and be connected to this bigger story. Recently, he's just been kind of getting hammered by his mom as far as just like roast after roast after roast and now he's back in the mix as far as connecting to you know Dedra's plans here Dedra's starting to slowly figure all of this stuff out and just like my episode 7 breakdown I'm probably gonna say this so many times I am so 
so dialed in and engaged with Dedra's story. Her character is fantastic, and I'm absolutely loving every single second that we spend with Dedra. Okay, Cyril is then given no choice, or excuse me, he was never given a choice to see Blevins' report on the incidents on Ferrix, so he doesn't know what may be missing in this report. That's what Dedra's wanting to try to figure out. So Dedra plans to allow Cyril to read that initial report. Okay, then we skip over to Narkina 5, where Cassian makes it to his imprisoned location, which appears to be underwater. It definitely reminded me and made me think of the prison. I don't know what it's called. I'm a Star Wars guy. I mean, I love Marvel. I don't know all the names, though. It reminded me of the Marvel prison that's underwater. Definitely got those vibes from it, but it, it set the stage. This looks absolutely stunning, by the way. This Narkina 5 location, even though it's mostly water, but again, just everything in general regarding this show has been absolutely stunning. Okay, back to Coruscant. Dedra presents evidence of a connection of these rebel acts with the Starpath unit from Ferrix. Yularen, he's back. Yularen doesn't necessarily seem interested at first, but then I, I picked up on the fact that he's sitting there reading Dedra's wish list. That's a point that I'm, I get to here in a second. So he may have been listening, but just his facial expressions, you could tell he was focused on something else. But I do think he was multitasking here anyway. We're definitely doing a breakdown. We're definitely doing a deep dive there if we're if we're talking about Yularen's multitask abilities. Anyway, Dedra has named Luthen Axis quote-unquote Axis, as they are unaware of who he is, but knows this Axis guy runs in an organized rebel effort in acquiring specialized Imperial gear. And this is where we find out that Yularen was looking over a wish list from Dedra of resources she needs on Ferrix, or in other words, just trying to figure out the next steps of this process. And Dedra wants to drill down, find Andor, and get a hunt started and, do and determine who Axis is is she again she's figuring it all out she knows exactly what needs to be done it's just up to the isb officers to listen to her and to grant her the things that she needs at this point i have i have no doubt that she's going to end up figuring it all out it's just once she figures it all out she's probably potentially going to have to die i initially thought dedra didn't have to die in this series but the more she starts figuring out the more I get worried that my favorite character from this show is going to get offed but uh, that's just my current analysis that could change next week we'll see back to Narkina 5 we see that Cassian has been assigned to a factory facility prison since he has been assessed as labor worthy the Imperials they don't really carry guns here they have a shocking device so they don't need those weapons and we see that device be used and the Imperial officer says that he used level one. Now, I don't know if that's an officer just trying to be intimidating and he actually used the highest level of level three and then he said it was just level one as far as the scare tactic goes. I, I like to think, though, that that was just level one because that level one... That level one already was extremely intense. Like, I thought I was watching The Conjuring or something there for a second with the way that these people, and Cassian included, reacted to the shock. So that looked level three to me, but I have a feeling it is truly actually level one. I don't want to see the other levels. I am I know for a fact. Well, you know, here's, here's my reason why I think this truly was level one, is I have a feeling that it cranks up to a level that creates death 
or causes death, rather. So, yeah, I do believe that was level one. Okay, we go back to Coruscant. Cyril has now read the report and feels none of the facts are represented. Cyril is unable to offer any interesting new details to Dedra. Dedra tells Cyril to stop filing reports regarding Cassian. Cyril makes his case to Dedra that she needs him to find Andor. She doesn't fall for it, though, and says that if he continues to raise the alarm, it won't be her he speaks to next, and she informs him to forget this ever happened. Great scenes, great moments. I still believe, though, Cyril is going to have to get back in the mix because now he's back to just going back to his job. Again, I don't see this character going away anytime soon, though. I still think he serves a purpose. Maybe Dedra calls on him, or maybe he just goes rogue and does his own thing, and we see him just show back up on Ferrix. Who knows? Because now I'm assuming he knows that they've got interest in Ferrix still, so he knows probably to go back there if he wants to get back in the mix. All right, Narkina 5 again. The prison seems to attempt to run an extremely tight ship. We get an introduction to a brand new character, Kino Loy, who is played by none other than the brilliant Andy Serkis, and this character is his prison manager. Now, Andy Serkis obviously is already in the Star Wars franchise, voicing and mocap portraying Supreme Leader Snoke. I don't have a problem with him playing a live-action character, and that's actually something that I prefer. It's actually something almost a year ago to the date, and honestly, when this podcast episode is dropping, it probably is a year to the date. Me and DJ reported on the rumor that Andy Serkis was in Andor, and we talked about how if we thought it was going to be a new character or if it was somehow going to be Snoke, I leaned more so toward a new character. DJ was kind of in the middle, but he made some arguments about how it needed to be Snoke. But regardless, I put that clip up up on our YouTube channel. So if you want to revisit that in light of this Andor episode, I think it's worth checking out just to see the perspective a year back compared to now today. It's always great to revisit those things. Uh, Kino lays down the expectations. Kino has 249 days left and has complete control of this entire room. Melshi makes an appearance. Melshi from Rogue One. So obviously we know Melshi is going to somehow get out of here. Melshi is a prisoner assigned to Table 5, which is the table that Cassian happens to get assigned to. So we're definitely going to see these two um, buddy up buddy up a little bit buddy cop situation maybe eventually we'll see what what comes of that but we get a whole slew of new character names that i have yet to figure out what these who or who goes with these names i've got the names listed here i'll probably get them wrong we got it's it's kind of like you know back on aldani when we had to learn all of those characters it's the same situation it's probably going to take me a couple of episodes to figure out the faces that go with these names we've got jimbok xal taga ulaf Ham, and then of course Melshi. Some some great Star Wars names in there, and then some some questionable ones potentially, like Ham. I didn't see that one coming, but hey, I'll take it. Maybe it's like a nickname or something. Who knows? These prisoners are trained by fear to work at intense speeds. The prisoners are then tested. Slowest group working will be disciplined or fried, as the prisoners call it. So they're just going to be shocked like crazy. Maybe it's a level two. Who knows? Who knows? Alright, now we go to Coruscant yet again and we get our first check-in with Mon Mothma. Mothma and Perrin are at dinner, hosting a dinner, to get votes to stall the Emperor's latest overreach. Sagrona 
This is a note that I made. Sagrona is Star Wars' version of Cheers. So you'll be hearing Sagrona probably name dropped on a lot of different podcasts, including this one. I'm going to start using Sagrona in my normal everyday speech. At least that's the plan. I might forget about that that phrase because there's a lot going on in the dome, of course, with trying to understand all of these different episodes and all the craziness that is covering Star Wars, but we'll see. Mon Mothma alludes to Perrin being a much different man at the age of 15, so that was interesting to kind of get uh, that backstory a little bit. Now, before I move forward, I want to just touch on, I think I may have this later in the breakdown Because I didn't notice it at this moment in the episode, but I believe this Emperor's latest overreach that Mothma's trying to get votes on is the Pord Act that was passed in the previous week's episode, in episode 7. But we'll see if we get get to that again, but that's definitely what I'm thinking, at least personally. Okay, so Tay is still in, or yeah, is still in town, or at least he came back. There may have been some time jump here for sure, and expresses difficulty to get money with Imperial Auditor's increasing mothma reveals that she has already moved 400,000 i'm assuming that's credits uh, 400,000 has been moved that's a lot uh, that kind of freaks tay out a little bit so they're going to have to figure out some some things regarding the financials of their situation all right back on narkina 5 table 5 appears to have been the ones to get fried one of the fellow prisoners is signing to another prisoner across the way through the window this scene is really there to show that there are tons of prisoners. Then we go back to Coruscant. Politicians are discussing their liking and disliking for Palpatine, and it appears Mothma is trying to get votes to pause on the poured overreach. So there it is, what I just talked about. This is definitely, I have a feeling, this is a, definitely what they're trying to, or what Mothma is trying to vote and at least hit a pause on with getting this thing passed and uh, implemented throughout the galaxy. Back to Narkina 5, the prison has floor shockers as well. Cassian's team losing is confirmed in this scene, in this conversation. Cassian has 2,189 days left of time, according to his tab. Now, of course, I'm a numbers guy. I had to do the math. If I was to type in my phone, 2,189 divided by 365, like R here on Earth, R number of days in a year, it does come out to be almost exactly six, which Cassian was given a six-year sentence. So this may be, it may not be, the first time in Star Wars canon that we've confirmed that a year is 365 days. I have a feeling, though, that has been confirmed before now that I'm thinking about it. But still, that made me pause and think about it, so I figured I might as well offer it up to our podcast listeners. Really cool there. Of course, me as a numbers guy, I had to check that out. Cassian hears about Pord for the first time. Again, Pord is the law passed by Palpatine in the last episode due to the rebel activity on Aldani. Melshi tries to incite wisdom on Cassian about ignoring the number of days since the Empire will keep changing it, but Kino confronts Melshi. So we're getting these hints of, of Melshi and Cassian really connecting on a very close level as far as I think their character dynamic moving forward and definitely eventually as we get to Rogue One. All right, on Coruscant, it's revealed that Mon became a senator at 16 and married Perrin a year before. Again, it really seems like these two, at least my interpretation, I may be off, I may need to watch the episode again, seems like these two really did have a genuine love for each other early on in their marriage, but of course, it seems like over time that love has faded. 
I'm I'm now more interested in in these two characters and and their dynamic. Now I'm trying to look if that's the last time that we spend with Mon Mothma. I'm just scrolling through my notes here real quickly because if it is, there is something that I want to say. It looks like this is the last time we spend with Mon Mothma in this episode. I'm ready to see her her arc move forward. I feel like the past couple of episodes we've been getting her politically scheming and planning and things like that, which has been great. I love it. Don't get me wrong. But now I do think we've spent enough episodes establishing that to where episode nine, I think we need to take that next step with Mon Mothma. That's just my personal take on that. Okay, Narkina 5, 2,159 days Reads on Cassian's tab all of a sudden. So 30 days have suddenly passed. So Cassian at this point definitely knows what to do at this place. Everyone takes a nice, steamy, misty shower together. That was interesting. They work in their teams. Cassian has definitely gotten the hang of it. And then we go to Ferrix. It's always good to go to Ferrix. And we see Bix. Bix is visiting Marva, who isn't doing well all of a sudden. And it seems like she has fell. Brazo stops by and visits after walking by and an increase in in imperial presence that seems to just be getting bigger and bigger by each episode that we stop by on Ferrix. There's a seat. It gets revealed in this in this side conversation with Fer or excuse me with Bix and Brazo that there's a secret tunnel under the hotel. I'm only pointing that out because I fully believe that that is going to be extremely important. I I really think that that drop of a secret tunnel is coming to play eventually. Also, in this conversation, we get this idea of a group called the Daughters of Ferrix, which is a group of former Ferrix presidents that could offer up a warm room. Marva refused this, which they also confirmed that Marva used to be a president of Ferrix due to this, so that's an interesting character moment or reveal for Marva. Vel and Cinta have both made it to Ferrix and are watching Bix and Brazo. So both of these characters that have been assigned to kill Cassie, in a, in a sense, have made it to Ferrix. I didn't know Cinta got off of Aldani personally. I guess the last time that we saw her, she was riding that speeder. I guess she was riding it to just a shipyard or something to get off off planet so I'm fine with that jump I'm assuming I can easily make that assumption that she just found a way off the planet 1000% I'm personally good with that but I could see somebody be like oh well how'd she get there I want to know how she got there I get that but this is Andor this is this is about how the rebel alliance brews and, and forms up not necessarily how Senta got off Aldani if you will but I digress anyway Let's see. Cinta wants to stay on Ferrix while Vel continues searching for Cassian elsewhere. Bix calls out for Luthen again at Pax Shop, which is going to come back to play definitely later in the episode. Okay, we go to Coruscant at Luthen's Antique Shop. Clea receives the message from Bix, and she is not wanting Luthen to get involved in Ferrix again. Luthen is definitely wanting to take take care of the loose end of Cassian, it appears in this conversation, and Luthen then does order Clea to shut down the connection to Ferrix. And then again, we go back to Ferrix. Vel leaves the planet as Senta does stay behind. So these two are now separate yet again. Now we're on Luthen's ship all of a sudden. Luthen, and I thought for a second Luthen was heading toward Ferrix or trying to figure out 
what Cassian's really up to because I thought maybe he was interested in saving Cassian or something like that, but that's definitely not the case. We got something better, in my opinion. We're on his ship, and Luthen is heading to Segra Milo and takes the long route. Okay, we'll definitely come back to that in a second. We go to Narkina 5, a prisoner per purposely jumps on the red grid floor. That was a very serious moment that could be very triggering for some. I could I could understand that. We go back to Ferrex again, alerting signals that we've heard earlier in this season, episode three, I believe, are being made by the citizens as Pack was taken the night before. Captain Tigo, the captain that's assigned to Ferrex, spots Bix and orders officers and troopers to get her. And then we go to Segro Milo, where Luthen asks Saul Guerrera. He goes and visits Saul Guerrera. He finally makes his appearance. We knew that was coming. We saw it in a trailer, but it was good to finally see. He asks Saul if he was behind the Aldani attack. I fully believe that Saul knows it was actually Luthen that was behind it, but, you know, Luthen's trying to play and act like he's not doing all of this stuff. Luthen has parts to sell to Saul at the cost of Saul meeting Anto Krieger, who I'm not sure who that is yet. I'm assuming we might see this character eventually, but it could be one of those, like the uncle of Cyril, for example. Like, it doesn't seem like we're ever going to see or know who that is. Potentially, it could be a moment where we never know who Anto Krieger is, or maybe we do. If we do, great. If not, we'll see. I'm sure that means that they have other dialed-in focus points the rest of the way. Anyway, the Anto Krieger character has found a weakness in, in an Imperial power station, so that's why Luthen wants Saul to meet him. And again, just to make it clear, it does definitely seem like Luthen and Saul have done some deals regarding parts in the past. It's revealed that Saul isn't a fan of this Anto Krieger guy and just wants to pay for the parts that Luthen has. And Luthen makes his pitch. He wants their sides to pull together to make the Empire come down hard because his quote is, oppression breeds rebellion. And that's kind of a, a hint or an allurement to something he said last week's episode where he was talking to Mon Mothman saying that, yeah, we, we kind of need the people to struggle because that's going to make them actually rebel and go against this imperial idea. Okay, next up in this conversation, Saul mentions all the different seeds of rebellion that he believes are lost. I didn't catch all of those. I need to go back and catch all of those different like belief segments or viewpoints or things like that. I need to go back and catch all of those and see how many different rebel cells are currently brewing, at least. I do still, th obviously, I stink, I, th I think, uh, not I stink, what in the world? I think that uh, Luthen slash Mon Mothma's rebel cell is probably number one of importance, followed by Saul Guerrero's. So I really think those other ones were just mentioned to just, again, world build and just express how much brewing of rebellion seeds are really is really going on out there in the galaxy well Saul ends up sending Luthen on his way uh, well excuse me it said I, I put down here that Saul believes he is the only one with clarity of purpose and then Saul sends Luthen on his way so it doesn't seem like they came to a deal regarding his parts I still think there's a shot though in the trailer between these two that we haven't seen yet so I don't think we're done with Saul Guerrero yet personally but we'll see. I could be wrong. I could be misremembering the trailer. But I'm almost like 70% confident that we're not done with Saul Guerrero. 
but we'll see later in the episode and later in further weeks episodes. Okay, we go back to Ferrix one last time, where Dedra is now on planet, and she brings Bix in front of Pack purposely and takes her in for questioning. Again, I feel bad for this, but I am kind of rooting for Dedra to figure all of this stuff out. I feel horrible here for Bix. I feel horrible here for Pack. But gosh, Dedra is so good. I'm rooting for her in every single moment. And then we get our last moment of the episode. We go back to Narkina 5, where Cassian's team continues to build the same part that we've seen throughout this entire episode, which leaves me questioning, what is this part, and what is it for? I definitely have a feeling it's a part that's for something very, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, meaningful and impactful as far as the Empire goes, like a part of a TIE fighter or a part of a the Death Star even. Like, who knows? Maybe it's something that big. But I think it's going to connect back to just this overall feeling of Empire presence throughout the galaxy that we've seen before as Star Wars fans. That would be a really cool moment to then be able to watch, I don't know, A New Hope, for example, see a TIE fighter fly by, and you're like, oh, maybe Cassian and or built some of those parts that's on that TIE fighter or oh maybe Cassian Andor built this part that's on like this Imperial Walker or that's on the Death Star even or that's on a Star Destroyer regardless I think that that reveal would be super cool if they show what this part is actually for they don't have to but again as far as world building goes there's an incredible opportunity there to do that in my opinion at least well that was the final shot and that is Andor episode eight overall I feel like this episode again kind of slowed down as far as the action goes and it's kind of doing these blocks if you will throughout the entire season and this is the start of a very important block I believe so this is going to be episodes eight nine and ten are going to be this prison uh, arc I think I'm currently predicting and then I th- and then I think episodes 11 and 12 will be their own thing to kind of sum up this entire thing that's connecting to Cyril, Dedra and everything on Ferrix. Now I'm not saying those characters are going to be done by the end of season 1, but I think it's it's possible that 11 and 12 focus on that while 8 this episode 8 and then 9 and 10 do this entire prison thing. That's my current thought because it definitely feels like this episode eight was the start of yet again another three episode arc because again, kind of slower, sets up the different scenes in the new states, the stakes, I mean, sets up the the prison, everything like that. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm mentally thinking currently regarding episode eight so not my favorite of the show so far the past two episodes episode seven and episode six are gonna be pretty tough to beat but i think by the time we get to the end of this prison block and also to the penultimate and to the finale i think those are going to give episode six and episode seven a run for their money as far as my favorites go But when I say that this one wasn't my favorite, I do not mean that I didn't love it. I absolutely love this episode. I'm finding myself holding my breath, listening to the dialogue to make sure that I hear it all correctly. I'm finding myself losing myself completely in the episode. I didn't realize that 50-something minutes passed. All of a sudden, it was just there and it was gone. And then finally, I realized the episode was over. And finally, I realized, oh, snap, I haven't been breathing for 50 minutes, it feels like. It's just good stuff. This is incredible television. 
television. And if you're not watching Andor, you gotta check it out. If you are, if you're not watching Andor, I don't think you'd be watching this or listening to this podcast episode at this point in the 27th minute mark. So that was pointless to say. But anyway, anyway, that's my breakdown. That's my review. That's my reaction. That's the discussion. That's everything regarding Andor Episode 8. If I missed something, if you're on YouTube, let me know down in the comments. If you're on podcasts, hop on over to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at Talk, and let me know something I missed on one of those platforms. Or you can join our Discord. There's a Discord link down in the description. It's a small community where we can just talk about Star Wars 24-7, and it's easily accessible. But hopefully you enjoyed this and or episode 8 breakdown. Now, go back, if you haven't, check out mine and DJ's Tales of the Jedi podcast review and breakdown of that. It's pretty special, of course. Anytime we get together, we definitely dive deep. That's why you... You can tell, like me and DJ, there's two of us. Usually that's about an hour-long video and podcast. When it's just me, it's about half the time. And so hopefully you found this episode easily digestible, easily accessible, and hopefully you you made it to this point. And if you did, I greatly appreciate it. And if you haven't already done all those clicking the button things that I alluded to earlier in this episode, subscribing, liking, rating, all those things, do those clicking the button things. All right, it's time for me to get out of here until the next Andor breakdown or until the next just Star Wars and or Mando talk content over on the YouTube channel. I'll see you on the next one. And as always, we have spoken.